Oh my god. Come on. Oh, you're doing a black guy? I you already, because for the duration of this podcast, <laughs> I'm gonna be talking like this. Know what I'm saying? Are y'all niggas ready to discuss, <laughs> to discuss, to discuss in a cursed manner on the Curse Discussions podcast? Sure. Okay, so yeah. today, welcome, welcome. Today I have with me Mr. Adrian once again and for the first time appearing Mr. Omar. So nice to have you both here on the Curse Discussions podcast. Can one of you please remind me what we're discussing today? Uh, yeah, so I we're going to be discussing uh, Middle Eastern politics at this current moment, at this, this current, current year. Moment. Yeah, in the current year. Okay, that works. I don't know, Some, something generally along in, in, in that area. Although I think uh, the history could be interesting too but we'll see where it goes we'll see where it goes so uh first of all the the big thing right now at least the most important element of middle eastern politics i would say would be the uh, so-called cold war between saudi arabia and iran and i know you know you might groan hearing this because this is something that as even vox knows about this by now right how iran and saudi arabia are in a series of proxy conflicts in yemen in Syria, and um, in other theaters as well, and competing for influence in the Middle East. Recently, not so recently anymore, I guess, but there was a, a thing in Lebanon where uh, Saudi Arabia basically like captured the Lebanese prime minister. There were some accusations that he was being held against his will. Do you guys remember that? I do. As yeah, well. yeah, made a fuss about it. But he's technically a Saudi national. He's half Saudi, I guess. So, yeah. He's half Saudi. So, what does that work like? Or how does that work? So, no, no. wait. Like they actually maybe they gave him the Saudi nationality thanks to his father because they used to like his father. But he's not like half. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So he's not like a Bedouin. He's like a uh, you know whitest blood in the Levant, pure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we all know that Lebanese people are white and people. Yeah. Well, you know that's actually yeah, really funny because I think that Lebanon and Syria, despite you know phenotypically looking pretty white, uh, actually have lower IQs than some other Arab countries. Like I think they have lower IQs on average than even Yemen or Saudi Arabia, for example. I was surprised when I learned that. Which I really uh, shouldn't be, because obviously this whole we looked at the pictures thing is kind of a meme. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it depends on how much variance we're talking about here. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, necessarily, if it was like 84 instead of 86 or something like that. But yeah, pretty low IQ individuals. Low IQ individuals. Yes, no, Arabs have lower IQ than either... Iranians or Turks, for example. Uh, no offense, Omar. Yes. None taken. Yes, Omar. Um, that's something interesting, too. 
because I know we've talked in the past about you're you're from Egypt, just so the audience knows. I'm going to tell you where you're from. Uh, <laughs> we've talked in the past about how uh, you know Egypt was kind of taken during the Arab conquest. I guess the um, the cops were replaced, and so I think a lot of people in sort of right wing spheres sort of have a lot of inf- uh, sympathy for the cops, right? But you were saying how you don't. Uh, interacting with them. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah, in in lots of the autistic Christian uh, right-wing circles, you, they like to LARP about cops being the true Christian inhabitants of Egypt. But if you actually in, you know, actually go to Egypt and interact with them, first of all, you can distinguish them from the rest of the Muslim population. And actually, if you get to know them personally, and this happened a lot. They tend to be severely more, how can I <laughs> describe it nicely, uh, Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Like the, like it, it's, it's, it began as a stereotype. First, I didn't believe in it until I encountered it myself. But basically, every single gold merchant in Egypt is a Christian for some reason. <laughs> and they're very, very cheap. The eternal so, Christian. Uh, Basically, yeah. That's interesting. And and we were talking before about how that might be because, I guess, uh, after the Arab conquest, a lot of cops, con- uh, or a lot of Jews actually converted to Christianity for some reason. Well, yeah, this is an ongo- uh, ongoing theory. But, of course, the, this is the Middle East, so there, there isn't enough data on anything. But that's one of the main theories, yeah, that lots of Jews basically became Christians because they thought it was going to be better for them that way. Oh, that's interesting. But of course, there's nothing wrong with being Jewish. and um, uh, Jews are pretty good. No, we love Jews. No, I see, this is going to sound like I'm doing the thing Ryan did in his recent video, but I actually, I would say that, that Jews are, are a net positive for um, the world because they invent stuff. Well, that is a good point. Let's leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right, I guess we don't want to uh, get into that debate. But, um, so Adrian, what yes. do you think, whose side do you take in the Iran-Iraq war? You mean the... <laughs> are you talking about the historical Iran-Iraq war? Yeah, you talk- in the 80s. Okay, um, that's a lot easier um, because Iraq the Iran-Iraq was... Iran-Iraq war is there today, nigga. I thought, I thought maybe you misspoke and you meant the uh, Iran-Saudi thing that you yeah, were talking about. Yeah, I am kind of jumping around a lot here, but let's go with this now. Okay, well, I think obviously Iraq was um, the aggressor. Right, and also use like horrible methods to try to get its way in the war. So that doesn't get it a lot of points, right? But didn't Iranians use like little kids or something? Uh, desperately, yeah. I think that's also bad. Um, but obviously, it's one thing to yeah use child soldiers, I suppose, and that's bad. And it's another thing to like literally use like mustard gas on civilian Which population. Which is worse, using like uh, little kid niggas or using the gas? I mean, I think as libertarians, we can say that 
emotionally, there may be things that tug on our heartstrings more. But uh, I don't think tens of thousands of children were used. I would say uh, yeah, you're like probably, right. probably, probably using the gas is probably worse because right, if, if, more I mean, people... like, you know, what if the child consents, right? If the well, you know, this is actually a thing. Like the the Iranians, when they're doing the popular mobilization there, the passage units were mostly made up of kids. All of them consented. Basically, it was like volunteering. Okay. So, so the libertarian did... answer is to support Iran. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I'm yeah. Sure I mean, it, it, there's a pretty good case for Iran to like for defend Iran. Itself. My God, we already went over this in the the gay in, pronunciation, uh, whatever. Like, the we need to pronounce it Iran, Iran. You yeah, like Jared Taylor, Pakistan, Pakistan, Iran. Yeah, if we had Nick here, of course <laughs> it would be Iran. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, but uh, back to that question. I don't know. I think maybe we could introduce sort of um hoppa's ideas about uh republicanism versus monarchism into this i know iran wasn't a monarchy it was a theocracy actually what's hoppa's opinion about like weird like republican theocracies i don't know do, do they counteract the negative incentives of uh democracy there i guess technically iran and iraq were both republics so they're both bad right. i guess I don't know. Well, I think, I, okay, well, here's the thing. Uh, you have to, it, it's kind of difficult because Ba'athism, right, is sort of like this gay, like, Nazbol, syncretic ideology that obviously Hoppe, on an intellectual level, would probably dislike a lot of. But on the other hand, Iran has a lot of uh, socialist uh, policies, even though its ideology isn't necessarily socialist. Like, there's a lot of state-owned industries and... Well, that's the thing about uh, Iran. They, like, initially, in the when the revolution happened, you know, in 79, they had a lot of socialists who were cooperating uh, with the Islamists against the Shah, right? It was like a kind of joint, unified front thing. But the Islamists took over and purged them. <laughs> but kept a lot of their policies, which is kind of funny. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I, but uh, I, I don't think they were, like, socialist in, like, a ideological way they're just socialist like right a I, way you know yeah and a baba boo right yeah we are going to return it to the people the people <laughs> yeah well wh what's your uh, opinion on this omar i presume you well the Iran iranians uh did take the the class struggle uh, idea like you know this is the uprising of the poor shiite masses against the evil rich tyrant that was like the main theme at the beginning like it never really got islamic until the end oh you're talking about during the revolution well yeah, during the revolution as for the my opinion on standing with iran or iraq well uh, the thing is saddam hussein was basically an american proxy in that war uh the only like real reason he did attack Iran because you know the Americans did push him towards it. I thought and he wanted, the, the, way. He wanted the fucking um, uh, that the uh, uh, shut up. Yeah, he wanted the shut yeah. oil fields, and he also wanted the Gulf. I mean, yeah, there were things in it for him, but you know, yeah, I think America was very much like we will support you, and they certainly did. Yeah, I mean, the Soviets also supported him, which is kind of funny. 
Well, didn't the Soviets support both sides in the Iran-Iraq war? Well, the U.S. supported both sides as well, but both the Soviet <laughs> Union and uh, the yeah, United that's right. mostly supported. Yeah, this is like, I can't tell who's like Jewing who anymore of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, kill them both. Kill both great Satans. Oh, uh, dude, just nuke the Middle East, bro. Like, uh, like, isn't that kind of a funny thing? Like, the whole nuke the Middle East phenomenon. Do you guys know that? Like, that's something that like, like edgy kind of people who don't know. And also boomers. Yeah, like edgy, edgy teenagers, and also baby boomers. Do say boomers that. say that? I've heard them say that, yeah. Yeah, they, I guess they, you know, what, what they do is they say that until, like, Bill O'Reilly tells them, no, no, we like Saudi Arabia, and then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, to be honest, I do agree with that opinion. We we should know yeah, the Middle East. You in it. Especially, I should be at the epicenter of the first bomb that goes off. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, another thing about this, I was watching recently a uh, video by Mr. Commissar Binkov. I know, I don't know if you guys know that channel. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, sure. So, um, this fucking fly is buzzing around me, oh my god. No, okay, so Commissar Binkov, um, he was talking about if Egypt and Israel went to war again today, which is basically is like top five anime fan fictions, right? Because they're on pretty good terms, right? Egypt, is, Egypt has been completely pacified. But um, suppose that uh, they did go to war. He was actually saying that Egypt could uh, probably come out with like some slight upper hand, I think, especially the longer the war went on, which I thought was interesting. Why well, that? I honestly... Did he give an explanation? Um, I think you just talked about how the Egyptian army has, like, improved a lot since the last time they fought. Um, they have, like, a way bigger population and stuff, so that's obviously going to be leveraged in the long term. Um, I don't know. I don't remember all the details of this. Do you guys have, like, an opinion about this? I don't know. I, I know you guys are not military autistes, really. Well, you are maybe a little bit, Omar. Are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of everything. I'm a great guy. You're the creator. Uh, well, okay, about the Egyptian military, well, yeah, of course it, it got much more upgraded uh, equipment by now. But I, I don't think it can match the Israeli state-of-the-art things that they're getting from the U.S. and de developing on their own. Um, actually, one of the things that happened to the Egyptian military after Sadat had the peace treaty with Israel um, basically the, the military had no real role in society after the peace like it's not fighting anymore so it, it became very very interested in uh, investment like business building factories you know building farms building hotels stuff like that and surprisingly although the uh, forced military uh, uh, service that most Egyptian males have to do like they end up basically not training, not doing anything real. Like, in fact, a very big number of old Egyptian uh, conscripts like end up working out uh, like at these military factories and spas and hospitals and stuff like that. They train. So I, I don't think. Dick. Uh, basically, yeah. So unlike the Israelis, which have like an insane survival ideology that every mad woman and child should train when the day comes we need to fight. Egyptians don't have that. And of course with Islamism, 
and globalism, they played an important role at basically squashing whatever was left of Egyptian nationalism that was left from the era of Nasser. So in, back in the 50s and 60s, like you'd have like those fucking ADIQ peasants willing to fight and die for something. But now, after the Islamists took over, and basically everyone has this anti-Egyptian sentiment, everyone doesn't like the country anymore, <laughs> I don't think... No, I'm not kidding, it's real. Uh, I don't think many people are willing to actually go and fight. So you have bad morale, bad training, the military is unbelievably corrupt, and they don't have the cutting-edge uh, state-of-the-art technology that the Israelis have. So I honestly don't... Yeah, they got gonna, pyramids, What the fuck is Israel yeah, doing about that? Yeah, yeah we're going to destroy the pyramids, take them into, like, huge blocks and use them catapults to shoot <laughs> Israel. Dude, can you imagine if Israel, like, blew up the pyramids during the war? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, why would they blow up something they built? Come on. Come yeah, on. Oh, yeah, that's right. That'd be, that'd be really funny if, like, Israel, like, claimed uh, into Egypt, like, they claimed the pyramids because the Jews built them. That would be funny. Um, Omar, you mentioned, okay, so you mentioned one thing, which was the army or the military now is, it's sort of like a civil institution now. Like, uh, like, in that it, like, tries to, it has its own industries, basically, and it tries to generate its own, like, revenue and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But besides all the money they take from the the state regularly. Right, it tries to supplement it. That's interesting. Um, It's like the, you know how the Boy Scouts have to, like, sell shit outside of Walmart? Like, it's kind of like that, I guess. Right, right. It's like selling yeah, Girl Scout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing you said, um, e- Egyptian Islamism has sort of created an anti-national sentiment. Could you build on that? Well, um, it, it it began, you know, with Nasser during the sixties. Well, you know, the government doesn't like Islamists for obvious reasons, so it began then that you know. Uh, they have a very, very severe anti-nationalist ideology that countries are made up, you know, nations are made up. The only thing you should believe in and fight for is Islam. And basically, you wouldn't believe this, but almost 100% of all Egyptian Islamists were actually very, very glad in 1967 when Egypt lost to Israel. Because they thought, like, the, the evil left leaning uh, secular regime was being beaten by the Jews. This was the sign from God that we need to turn to Islam and stuff like that. So I, I, I think that, okay, of course, 70s came, Sadat allowed the Islamists to run amok in the country, and that sentiment grew. Like, there is no more real nationalism in Egypt, to be honest. Yeah, that's funny. So how does that translate into, does that kind of equate I mean, does that kind of lead to a disdain for the ancient Egyptians? Like, I would imagine that maybe Egyptian nationalists might LARP a little bit, even though it's not really true. They might say, like, we was pharaohs or whatever. But um, do oh, Islamists in Egypt, like, say, oh, the ancient Egypt was really bad? Well, it's it's in, in the fucking Quran, you know. Pharaoh is, like, the baddest guy in history, right? Like, he's actually used as the equivalent of the word bad like when you when you want to say in egypt someone is really really bad you just call him a pharaoh what you know, that's that's insane 
like he, like he's bad and a tyrant at the same time, not just your everyday bad. Um, and yeah, like Islamists teach this all the time. I, I, actually, some teachers did teach me that in school that we shouldn't like the, we shouldn't like the pharaohs because they were like this ancient heathen civilization, and like cursed in the Quran and whatnot. God. So anciently and in modern times, Islamism hates the idea of Egyptian nationalism. So I think then that um, some like Afrocentrist ass niggas should come to Egypt and be like, we was Kangs. And Egyptians would be like, okay, well, if you was Kangs, then you're bad. Yeah, we need uh, a nigger invasion. Another one. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of racism in Egypt, right? Uh, well, there aren't many races in Egypt, to be honest. Many uh, races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Egyptians are not that welcoming like all arabs to be honest of, of uh, black people they don't like them that much but again here comes the islamist again and, and they tell you like you should be nice to whatever black people you meet in the street if they are like you know foreign students diplomats whatever because you know islam taught us that there's racism is the bad thing so yeah islamism really has great opinions and everything you know but i thought that for a while, at least, uh, there was a tradition in Islam that in order to be rightfully considered the caliph, you had to be descended from the prophet's tribe. Isn't that a little bit racist? I honestly don't think that that opinion ever gained popularity, to be honest. No? I, I remember there was reading something about this in the context of um, Tamerlane. You know, the he was some fucking Central Asian nigga who uh, you know, conquered a bunch of shit. Oh, yeah. I yeah, we know him. He's kind of, yeah, famous. We get it. We get it. Okay. All right, I'm sorry I triggered you. But, <laughs> sorry I insulted your intelligence. But maybe the audience doesn't know who Tamerlane is. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Okay, yeah, so, he, I remember hearing that he could not claim the title of uh, Caliph because... He wasn't descended from the Prophet's tribe. He was like some Central Asian-ass nigga. Well, you know, that would leave me at a loss at at the Ottomans. Like, the Ottomans, basically, Turks, they came yeah, from Middle Asia. I think it was. Uh, the fucking Mamluks. We're all Slavs. So maybe it was a, a very popular opinion at the beginning, right after Muhammad died. Yeah. But then it... Disappeared with time, and but to be honest, at the beginning it also wasn't that popular of an opinion because you know, after Muhammad died, the closest relative to him did not become caliph. It was like someone not that related to him. That's because the Sunnis Jewed it, right? Yeah, and, and like, and, and that's the whole Shiite bane of existence. You know, Ali should have been the caliph because he's his relative. So maybe that's a, a Shiite Ali. opinion. Yeah, Ma, Ma Ali. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a Shiite opinion more than it's a Sunni. Yeah, look at this base like son-in-law or whatever of Muhammad who should succeed him. Or wait, based. Yeah, based. Um. So, I remember this is something I thought was kind of interesting. Um, the split between Syrian Bathism and Iraqi Bathism. Uh, from what I understand, you might say that Syrian Bathism is kind of like a more left-wing version, and uh, 
Iraqi bathism was more. I, it's not, it's weird to even apply this label to like Bababu, fucking Middle Eastern politics, but uh, Iraqi bathism was more right wing. Uh, well, okay. My, my humble understanding, of course, I'm going to let Adrian comment on this. Uh, Saddam, like in the very first few days, he actually came to power. He he made up this entirely bogus idea that there's a Syrian Baathist conspiracy to take over Iraq and actually conquer it by force and use the, their proxies in the Iraqi Baathist party, uh, which is completely nonsensical. I don't think uh, Hafez al-Assad actually wanted to do that. So it was very clear that, you know, he was cre- creating, you know, a Reichstag to to uh, expand his influence in Iraqi society, actually have something to cry about. It was a false flag. Uh, he uh, set fire to the Reichstag. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a giant false flag. They actually did, like, you know, televise the whole event and pointed out who he's going to execute on television live. Yes, I've seen that. Like a nigga. Uh, and... Uh, Maybe uh, one of the reasons he broke off from the, the idea of, you know, ban Baathism, all of Baathism being the same thing, maybe because he didn't like the Shiites or the Alawites that ruled Syria, wanted to have his own thing, maybe. Well, I, I've heard that um, the the Baathists in Syria, like, Baathism is nominally supposed to advocate for, like, a pan-Arab state, right? But I think that the Baathists in Syria were less genuinely interested in that than Saddam was, and part of that might be because they were Alawite, right? So they knew that they would kind of be cucked if, like, they had to be part of the one giant political entity with, you know, obviously Arabs are majority Sunni. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever really did advocate uh, ban Arabism. I mean, isn't that Syria. supposed to be part of, like, Baathism? Don't they at least have to pay some lip service to it? Yeah, it's like, you know, nominally speaking, yeah, it's, it's a part of it, but practically I don't think the Syrians ever did that. Yeah, I mean, because, wait, wait, if I remember correctly, I think I might have my history mixed up a little bit here. But, so, when the Syrian bath took power, wasn't that, did they took power from, take power from the United Arab Republic? Or was that later that well, they took power? Uh, the, the United Arab Republic, if I recall correctly, lasted from 58 to like 61 or 63. When did, and when the did Hafez al-Assad take power? Uh, Hafez al-Assad took power after the Six-Day War, if I recall correctly. Like, he, he used up the, the chaos in the country and actually did promote himself uh, until he got complete control. And actually, Nasser did not like the Baathists very much. He actually did use to speak against them. For some reason, I, n- I never got into it. But that was back in the beginning of the 60s. So maybe Baathism is more distinct than the typical Arab pan-social, you know, pan-Arab socialist types that preceded them in ruling Syria. Looks like he became uh, prime minister of Syria in 1970, so a little bit before the Yom Kippur War. Yeah, but, but he was, uh, like, gradually consolidating his power ever since the Six-Day War. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's um, that's interesting. I know his, like, I, it was his grandfather or something like that was one of the, um, uh, one of the, it was some Alawite clan that, like, asked the French not to leave Syria or something after World War One. I, I think. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. 
they did that. Well, it was a very wise thing to say because they knew that the Sunnis would chimp out and like kill all of them. And if you actually look at today, that actually is happening. Like one third of all young Alawite males have been killed in the war in Syria. So there's a somewhat of a genocide going oh, on. Oh, rip in peace. So that's gonna suck, though. If uh, so, if Syria, like, I mean, obviously Assad is like winning at this point, right? Clearly, but. Um, despite that victory, I guess it'll come at the cost of, you know, there will be, like, some genocide. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. So, it's a... I'm pretty sure Adrian is, is sad about that, too. Yeah, what's, I'm very sad. What's that supposed about to mean? Uh, is this a call-out? <laughs> Hashtag call-out call-out. <laughs> Israel's, uh, you know, most stalwart enemy being seriously weakened. I'm heartbroken. Yeah, shit. For the audience, if you don't know, Adrian is a fan of Israel. But, um, anyway, we were talking about... I don't know what the fuck we were talking about. Something I find interesting is that... So, you have already the, um, the main conflict between Saudi Arabia and Iran going on, but then you also have sort of another thing, which is the tension between Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Right, you have they have they're backing rival Islamist militias uh, in the Syrian civil war. I think one is uh, Tahrir al Islam or whatever, or Tahrir al Sham. The other one's uh, what's it called? Um, you know, whatever. Nusra. Yeah, I'll, I'll, well, Al Nusra changed his name like fifty different times, but whatever it's called today, I think that's the one that Saudi Arabia is backing, whereas like Turkey has their own uh, thing, and they've been fighting. I think. Um, in that little pocket that the regime doesn't control, which is, um, you know, to the west of, like, to the west of Aleppo. Um, to the west of what? Aleppo. What is what Aleppo? Is Aleppo? <laughs> what is Aleppo? <laughs> yeah. Gary, they just didn't know Gary Johnson yeah. was playing Jeopardy. Yes. But anyway, so I find that pretty interesting. And then there's an, I mean, because obviously Turkey was a big supporter of Qatar during that whole crisis. Um, so you've got... Sort well, of- uh, well it's, it's just like you said, it's it's a minor uh, Cold War between the Saudis and the Turks. It, it, well, it can be traced back to the uh, diminishing of the Ottoman Empire. Well, basically the Saudi, both wow, the Saudis and... Wow, do Fox.com? I wish... Hmm. Uh, just kidding. Uh, well, the Saudis actually had the idea of resurrecting the Ottoman Caliphate, well, another Islamic Caliphate. While on the other hand, it wasn't it wasn't the Turks; it was the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, wherever they are, like in Syria and Egypt, Algeria, Turkey, uh, they had the idea of creating their own Caliphate, and they're like, they're, they're both Sunni. So they always had a tension going between them. The only real period when Saudi Arabia was somewhat pro-Muslim Brotherhood, the Salafists in Saudi Arabia were pro-Muslim Brotherhood, was in the 60s, when the Muslim Brotherhood were being oppressed by the Arab nationalist regimes. But after the Muslim Brotherhood uh, had it better in all these countries, after the demise of Arab nationalism, the tension began to rise again. You know, the Salafists want to have their own thing, the, the Muslim Brotherhood want to have their own thing. Like, you can see it in, even in a country like Egypt, like, the Salafists and the Muslim Brotherhood don't like each other, like, so, at all so here. So, what's the relationship between Turkey and the, um, 
Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah, uh, the, the, I don't know how it happened, but the, the Islamist party Erdogan belongs to is basically one of yeah, basically an offshoot or an ideological offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. And they actually can claim supremacy because they're actually in Turkey, where the last caliphate was. So mm-hmm. they have that, you know. That is interesting. I don't know. I was pretty sad when the um, Turkroach coup failed. I know I was rooting for Yeah, you, you, you like Turks for some reason or interested in their well-being. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why, yeah, no. But um, I was, uh, I mean, well, were you not rooting for the coup? Well, I was actually, yeah, because I don't like Erdogan. Yeah, sure. So don't give me shit for it. We're on the same side, buddy. Um, I was saying, though, I, I don't think it was really a secularist coup, though. Supposedly it was um, organized by, uh, what's-his-face... You know, Gulen, Fethullah Gulen, in fucking exile in Pennsylvania, which is really weird. <laughs> that whole thing where, like, now Turkey is sort of drifting away from U.S. orbit and becoming more friendly with Russia despite um, having actual clashes with Russia, shooting down their plane. They're becoming more friendly with them now because of that dumb coup and because of the U.S. refusing to extradite Gulen. Well, is it that, or is it that the Russians are actually complete fucking cucks when it comes to foreign policy? Like, Russians like to be friends with everyone. Like, they, they don't like to antagonize anyone, like, especially in the Middle East. Like, if Saudi Arabia actually offered them better relations or anything, they would just completely take it. Yeah. I don't well, know why, I mean, very past. Except when they hack our elections. Yes, of course. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um... There's also, regarding the, uh, the Saudi-Turk tension thing, there's another uh, element to that, which is that Saudis have been a big supporter of uh, the Kurds, which obviously Turks don't like at all. Um, and I think that the reason the Saudis decided to support the Kurds was because um, they're hoping that it would weaken... I mean, it weakens all their enemies, right? It, it weakens Turkey, it weakens... Iran, potentially, right? There's a big Kurdish minority in Iran. And obviously, uh, Iraq, which is sort of an Iranian ally, or midway between an Iranian ally and an American ally. Um, so, yeah, there's Tur- uh, Saudi Arabia has every reason to support the Kurds. Well, to be honest, this is the first time I, I hear about this, but, like, a Saudi-Kurdish Tur- uh, Saudi connection. But, like, it's, it's very plausible, like, the Middle East is autistic like that. Like you had in the, was it the 80s? Like in the Lebanese Civil War. Like in the end of the war, we basically had Saddam Hussein supporting like the South Lebanese army, which was supported by Israel, just to piss off the Palestinians who were supported by Iran. So yeah, yeah dude, this is the Middle East. The Lebanese Civil War is completely fucking insane. Saddam yeah, everyone switched. Yeah. He, he intervened like twice, right? Like at first he was supporting the the uh, Sunni side, right? But then he switched. Eventually he became like some sponsor for the Christians as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, I don't know. Here's an article on MiddleEastEye.com how Saudi Arabia tried to use the Kurds to clip Iran's wings. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been weird if... uh, Well... 
Omar, what do you think about... I, I don't doubt that you don't like Kurds, but what do you think about the chances are, for example, of Kurdistan becoming an independent country in the next couple of years, and what would the effects that be? Here's the story of Kurdistan, a land both fair and great. Oh my god, no. <laughs> uh, that uh, I think like a good troll. Yeah, uh, the thing is, I, I do think Kurdistan has a very good chance of actually getting independence, because they're practically independent in Iraq ever since, you know, Saddam left. So they have a very good chance of like redoing that in Syria, and in Syria now they have so much support coming in from the Germans and the Americans. They yeah, have the enough firepower. Well, they sort of left them in the lurch. Yes. Uh, although, Could I mean, British niggas be like starting fights they can't win because they think like America's <laughs> gonna back them up, and then America's just like, oh no, nope, nope. Yeah, like, I, I, I think it's, it's important so, to remember. I mean, obviously, those kinds of things. I mean, sort of like in Catalonia, too. They like intensify, uh, whatever will for independence instead of, like, I mean, because obviously Iraq didn't like crush them or whatever. They, they like you know they own them epic style, but like, yeah, that obviously Kurds can, they can rise up. Again. Yeah, like gamers. <laughs> yeah, ga- gang Kurdistan uh, rise up. Gang Kurdistan. But yeah, they're, they're probably just more, you know, in, in a couple years they'll be more determined to do it and they'll actually yeah. have their chickens in a row, maybe. But uh, going like the only real change that is going to happen is like they're going to be a pain in the ass for Turkey, like much more insurgency going on in southern Turkey. And Assad's rule would be completely lost from northern Syria. I think that's the real, only real major change that's going to happen. I don't think much is going to change for the Kurds in Iraq. They basically control their territory, even if they're nominally a part of the federal Iraq government. I mean, I I think, too, one should distinguish between there's there's different Kurdish factions, right? Because the U.S. um, is really heavily supportive of you know the SDF obviously in Syria and like, but um, less so I think, especially more more recently of uh, the Iraqi Kurdish faction. I I remember what, what's that one family in Iraq, the Kurdish family in Iraq who controls, um, you know basically all of fucking uh, Iraqi Kurdistan's politics and there was a whole thing. I think there was the accusation that. Uh, it, it was the president who was supposed to step down in an election, but he kind of used the referendum as a political tool to try and stay in power or something. The Barzani family? Yeah, Barzani I'm family, not exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of a smart play on his part, because if that had worked, he probably would not have had to... He, I mean, well, actually... Fuck, I don't even know if he's... No, I think he did end up stepping down. But he probably would not have had to step down if, you know, he had been the one who had, uh, you know, got Kurdish independence. Yeah, that is a very, like, sneaky... It, like, it's like a Hitlerian thing. Like, yeah. oh, the people are behind me, so I can't... Uh... That's what that's I mean. That's a classic, a classic move in politics, right? You know, you had um, the Peronists in Argentina try to do that with the Falklands too. Right. 
classic. Classic. Oh my god. Okay, so I wanted to ask this uh, before we ran out of time. We still um, have like I don't know, like 30 minutes or something. Okay. Anyway, so today or yesterday rather, uh, was the uh, Lebanese elections and we're supposed to have uh, all the results in soon, maybe in an hour or two, although you never know with Bababoo countries. But I, I saw a Reuters article like 20 minutes ago or something um, that Hezbollah is actually going to get a lot of seats, even though Hariri uh, was set to stay in power. Uh, so I just wanted to know mainly like Omar's uh, opinion on the election, on Hezbollah, on all that. Well, let's see. Well, first of all, I honestly don't understand why they have elections in Lebanon. Like the country is, is so factionalized, like in, in real life, like Shiites live in their place, the Christians, the Sunnis, they have their completely walled off, closed, like, quarters, neighborhoods, cities, whatnot. whatnot. So poli- politics, like, parliamentary politics don't really affect them any real way. So why do they even bother? They just in, they're just LARPing as, you know, oh, we have parliament, look at us. Yeah, it's like Belgium, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think Hezbollah, you know, gaining power in Lebanon, whether it be real practical power on the ground by using their forces or like parliamentary is a good thing. Hezbollah, you know, believe it or not, they're more moderate than most Sunnis in, in Lebanon. And the Christians, if they had the ability to remilitarize like they did back in the 80s, I think Hezbollah is, is way more moderate and like peaceful than all of them. So maybe Hezbollah is the good thing. Lebanese Dare I forces, say that? The, they're the, the Christian party. Um, Apparently did the phalanges. Yeah, the phalanges. That's that's something I think is funny. We can talk about that later. But um, they uh, did really well apparently in this last election, from what I'm reading. It says they doubled their MPs. Well, is, is that gonna bring any real change? I, I that's that's the idea. I don't think so. Yeah, it all depends on. I mean. If there's some big sea change in like on the coalition level, then maybe something might happen. But Bobo's I mean, that's Christ. very unlikely. Giving <laughs> wait, what? I said, Baba Boos for Christ. Baba Boos for Christ and Baba Boos <laughs> for Muhammad. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is like it's sort of like the way it works is like it's like as hard as possible to get anything done on the national level, it's because basically, like, yeah, it's it's not really a country. It's just, because like... Because it'll get filibustered by Ted Cruz and the obstructionist Republicans <laughs> blocking Obama's agenda. <laughs> Literally, like, the, the... Whatever, the brown... The brown-er Ted Cruz. <laughs> that, would sounds, that sounds pretty base to me. Well, I mean... There might well, be some... Like, I don't... Know. I don't know if there's, like, classical conservatives there or if they're just literal, like, Baba Boo, like, uh, like, oh, 
President Baba Ganoush is from my tribe, so I'll vote for him. <laughs> Baba Ganoush. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, politics you know, are actually tribal in Lebanon. I mean, I think... No, no, they're completely tribal. Okay, well, this is, I mean, this is one of the... They're tribal in the broader Lebanon. sense of, like, tribalism, right? But it's basically... But you mean, it's based you on mean more like... It's not based more on literal sectarian. tribes. Right. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe Omar is sectarian, you know. Like in Lebanon, okay, this is may sound like a joke, but they do have doctors for each sect. Like you're a Sunni <laughs> doctor, you only treat Sunnis. You're a ally. <laughs> no, this is oh a, God. This is a real, yeah, Lebanon. That is Lebanon, not a real country. Lebanon, if Lebanon follows the path of parliamentary democracy in 2020, they will be a superpower. You have, you can take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big yeah. The Lebanese Empire. Yeah, <laughs> just like giant cedar tree, like blasting off. Twenty twenty five. No, no, no. It's like <laughs> Lebanon today, like forty percent Sunni or whatever it is. Lebanon in like in twenty thirty, like cedar tree blasting off. Uh, no, but um. Yeah, that's something I always find interesting, the Lebanese Civil War. Uh, really fucking complicated. We kind of brushed on that. I don't fully understand it all myself, to be frank. But one thing, part of it that I find really interesting is how it was sort of started by a false flag, rashtag fire, um, where what happened was, I guess, you had the, uh, the Syrian Social Nationalist Party Right, who is which I guess is composed disproportionately of Greek Orthodox niggas in in uh, Lebanon, and they obviously want like Greater Syria. Uh, they don't think Lebanon is a legitimate construct. Um, they want to have basically like a na- like a Nazi, a Nazi Greater Syria, right? And um, a lot of support among the Greek or- Greek Orthodox community in Lebanon. So they committed a false flag where they dressed up as, like, you know, Sunni... Like, I think they dressed up as, like... I don't know if it was... I think they might have been pretending to be the PLO or something. But, um... Or or some Sunni faction. Obviously, the PLO was secular, but whatever. What they did was they then attacked, and they killed a bunch of Maronite-ass fucking phalangists, which, which I found was... was quite hilarious, right? Because the Maronite phalangist, right, the Kata'eb party, they were inspired by Italo-fascism and, you know, obviously Spanish fascism since they're phalangists. Um, and they got killed by some, like, weird Syrian neo-Nazis. But they per- were, they thought that it was, um, like, Sunnis doing it. So that's, I guess, what started the Civil War. And uh, the, the um, SSNP did this for the uh, with the goal of destabilizing Lebanon and making them be absorbed into Syria, which I guess kind of worked since Lebanon... I mean, Syria occupied Lebanon until 2005. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe like the Syrian government didn't like the idea that Lebanon recently became their own state and wanted wanted them back, maybe. That's a very good you know analysis. Yeah, wow. Based analysis, man. Baby, come back. 
Baby, come back. That is, that is, that is funny about the fascists and the neo-Nazis. No more brother wars. <laughs> and they're both yeah. Christian, too, which makes it like just incredibly autistic. Yeah, that is... Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, they're not just... tribal enough, apparently. <laughs> yeah. No. I've also been reading... Um, speaking about the PLO. They were expelled, obviously, from Lebanon. I think most of them went to Libya after the Civil War. But um, that's something I find really interesting because boomers tend to think of the PLO, if they like even know what that is, um, they tend to think associate like the Palestinian cause with like jihadism. But there were also quite a few Christians in the PLO. I know the guy who was the commander um, at the time that they you know, uh, killed all the Israeli athletes in Munich, right at the Olympics. Um, he was a Christian himself, and he used the pseudonym Isa, which is Jesus in Arabic. So, uh, checkmate atheists. I don't know. <laughs> that is so. Jesus came back to kill some Jews. Yeah, basically to kill some like <laughs> Olympic athletes. No, I mean basically like the virgin fucking like Christian like skinny like Arab like killing them like this is a day of retribution. This is Elliot Roger day of retribution versus the Chad like. Israeli athletes, but they got shot up, so pumped up kids. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> well, the PLO actually went to like uh, Libya, Tunisia, lots of places after they had to leave uh, Lebanon. Yes, when you get expelled, I, I don't think they're very popular in Jordan. They're not very popular. What? Well, I, I don't think. They they found Jordan as as a popular destination oh, no, to I mean, King, Hu- King Hussein of Jordan like expelled the PLO. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he said they're not they tried to kill them anymore. <laughs> King Hussein. Yes, King Hussein. Which I that, that's another thing, which I I always find is funny. We talked about this before, about how you know King Hussein basically like. You know, the, the original inhabitants of Jordan, right? It was sort of just empty fucking desert, like Bedouin tribe-ass niggas, right? And they got their little autistic kingdom with, that no one lived in. But then it got flooded with, like, Palestinian refugees after the Israelis, like, kicked out <laughs> tons of Palestinians. So this weird, like, Bababu, like, desert tribes, like, became, like, kings of Palestinian refugees. Like, they couldn't even have that piece of land themselves. Like they got really like Jordan is a, is a fucking joke. Like Jordan is is objectively faker than Israel. Uh, sorry, Adrian. Uh, like uh, Sharif Hussein was ruling the uh, the Arabian Peninsula basically back in the days of the Ottomans, and the English contacted him like, "We're gonna make you the king of the Arabs. You're gonna rule like uh, the Levant, Iraq, whatever you want. It's gonna be beautiful. You're gonna be great." <laughs> Got a big, big old kingdom for you. <laughs> but the eternal Anglos actually gave away all these lands to other people. And literally, I'm not joking, the piece of desert that was remaining between Syria, uh, Jordan, uh, Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt, they made it a country and gave it to him. And even that he couldn't have to himself, like the Palestinians took it over. So, yeah. I, During the days of the Palestinian mandate, too... Um, I know, like mo- most of the more radical Zionists advocated territorial maximalism, 
So they wanted to take Jordan too, which would have been a really <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure why they wanted like, like we need this empty desert. <laughs> I mean, I, well, like, I, I, you know, I don't really agree with Israel hanging onto the West Bank, but I at least understand why they want it. Right? It's got tons of important shit. It's got the old city in it. You know, it's got like lots of important historical Jewish stuff. But like, why? Why would these like autistic fucking Lehigh? larpers like demand jordan like that's just so dumb well i think isn't isn't jericho technically in jordan too oh yeah maybe it is Ah, let me look this up jericho wasn't that the name of some like series that uh soy boys like left it like wow like oh yeah yeah Yeah, that's what's coming that's what's coming up no it's in the palestinian territories jericho's not in jordan oh okay yeah. Yeah, I really like the fact that we almost completely uh, avoided the Israeli question in this uh, podcast. Well, what you have something to say about the Israeli question, Omar? Go ahead. You got something to no, say? I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like we did not like discuss anything like about Israel, like any big topics. We just winged it for some reason. I mean, the podcast isn't over yet, my friend. We've got like I'd say about maybe like. 10 or 15 more minutes to go. So, anyway. What else can we talk about? Hmm. Well, the Iraqi election's close, but it's very bababoo, and it's kind of less interesting because it's less of a, like, shit show in the Lebanese election. All I know is probably, like, the pro-Iranians are going to win. Um... Didn't the we US could talk like, a little cuck bit. the uh, pro-Iranian like like they cucked like Al Maliki because he was too pro-Iranian. Well, when was that? That was, that was like a while. Ago. During like, ISIS. Yeah, that was during the Caliphate. How fucking? I mean, at this point, can you imagine if ISIS had taken Baghdad. I honestly thought they would, and I didn't. I don't know how big deal that would have been in terms of like the actual like you know military like strategy but I remember thinking it's any day now um but I was thinking I mean is there much we could really do like other than like basically put more well, troops in Iraq yeah like I feel like would kind of like like, there's thousands of U.S. troops in Iraq right now, but at this point, I, I doubt we have much. I mean, like, because it's literally already basically a puppet of Iran. So I don't, like, just, I mean... I wouldn't say it's a I don't puppet know of Iran, Iran, because I, they're also, it's it'd be weird for that to be the case, right? Since they also are pretty friendly with the United States. They, they okay, that's true. Well, friendly is kind of a difficult word. I mean, obviously, they let us go there. Um, Remember, Trump uh, made them angry because they were on the no-fly list. Or the... Cucked. What what, what was it? The the travel ban. And they got angry. Until we figure out what the hell is going on. Did that even... Like, is that still in effect, even? Like, I don't even know... 
it it's not in effect anymore i don't because we figured out what the hell was going yeah, okay, on okay i see the court decision got like reversed a bajillion times or something i don't know i didn't even yeah know. i'm pretty sure trump and z's would support this yeah um i don't know who's in power now but probably someone who's at least sort of pro tehran and it seems like they're just gonna keep going in that direction <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I don't mind like us not really uh, bombing Iraq. It's sort of like I think uh, it's done. Whatever. It's kind of weird how Kurds used to be massive Trump pansies before the coup, but like Trump, he didn't back them up. So I think they've cooled off on him a little bit now. But I remember. I would. I would believe that. I. I remember Samantha B did a fucking story on it, which is very funny because it had a uh, a moment where the guy said. Trump does not think uh, one-dimensionally. Yeah, uh, was being kept that for a meme. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh no, there was the, that one like Kurdish boy who was like named Donald Trump or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that actually happened. Yes, that actually happened. This is oh him now. God. Feel old yet? <laughs> it's like he's in a mass grave. <laughs> he got killed by ISIS. That'd be funny. Yeah. Imagine if, if the fucking, um, uh, like, the news media reported, like, Donald Trump has been killed by ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm really sad ISIS didn't take over all of Iraq, to be honest. Why, you ISIS? Yeah, why completely, completely for aesthetic reasons, like, you know, Iraqi Shiites have butt-fuck ugly aesthetics. Regarding everything they do, unlike ISIS, which have like very nice stuff. Hey, I don't like ISIS though. Don't get me wrong. Oh, uh, Colin, this is a good topic. Uh, I think, who? who? Chucky. Hey, what's up? Um, do you remember that uh, article Nick posted the New York Times one about like the statecraft of ISIS? Uh yeah, I think so. Where they're talking about their. Like, you know, how they run the government. Right, and how they, like, tax everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, like, self-funded or whatever. I remember we, we were talking, we were going back and forth, I mean, for, like, a year or so, basically, whether or not radical Islamists and ISIS in particular were actually the bad thing versus, like, secular dictators. Okay, right? I, I want to clarify. I never actually... Like subscribe to that position. I I was playing devil's advocate. Okay. Well, you definitely were recently. You were playing devil's advocate. I I don't know. I mean, I mean I, I've supported we've argued about the it. Whole duration of the war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. I I yeah. I won't misrepresent you. Um. But uh, does I mean I feel like when I read that more. I was more certain that no, ISIS I, I was agree, like, also bad. Like, yeah, it, it had like a modern, a modern conception of a nation state instead of this weird primeval, like whatever theocracy that had a lot of like breathing room for like, yeah. So like we were talking about Gary North's like weird, insane, like minarchism where it's like, homosexuals will be put to death but there's not really any cops so it's like really hard for anyone to be like convicted of uh 
homosexuality and stuff like that. Like this state has a very limited purview, even if it's like I think barbaric. A little bit closer to that idea would be the Taliban. Um, I think they're they're better than ISIS, which is obviously not well, saying much, but I don't know. To I, be I'm honest, ISIS that... and socially North Korea. So without ISIS, who will build the roads? Exactly. ISIS did build some roads. That's true, and they did yeah. it without taxation, without theft. They did it with fucking taxation. Well, I, I think that picture that that that, that that was one of the the myths that got like busted. I thought the Wait, famous, famous only, picture of them where they were the famous picture where they were like, you know, putting the roads down. That was pretty early on, right? And I think early on they were just mostly using oil revenue, but they like the taxation ramped up later. Yeah, like most of their income, or like the largest portion, the plurality, was from agriculture, like at their peak. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Mm, no, sweetie, it was coming from the Mossad. <laughs> of course. And by agriculture, it means like, you know, 420, like selling weed in like Detroit. <laughs> like, yeah, like a modern contract thing. Yeah, that's how ISIS has funded kids. Well,. I you uh, there's a picture of like an ISIS flag at like a Black Lives Matter demonstration or so. no, no, it wasn't an ISIS flag. It was just like a Black sign. Flag that, it, it was a sign that said um, like ISIS is here or something. I thought that was so funny. Fuck. <laughs> it was only. One I, really, I can't. Yeah, I don't know why. That's kind of cool, what? right? Like they're like blending in. You know what I mean? And that like no one really knows what's going. You know. I mean, the flag is useful because it's in, like, a foreign language and it's, like, sort of nondescript. I mean, obviously, it's, like, Muhammad's battle flag. I don't flag. know. Do, do normies it, know? It's the battle the flag. It doesn't resi- represent that. Yeah, it's just a battle. We don't support ISIS. It's her- heritage, not hate. <laughs> we use the ISIS battle flag. <laughs> I think normies do recognize... Well... I think if you showed them now, a, a black flag with squiggles, yeah. Yeah. I did, yeah, they would start jumping out. Boomers would see you as a Muslim. <laughs> Boomers would see you as a Muslim. So you brought up uh, the Taliban as sort of like a yeah, better version. Yeah, I think they're very the libertarian because they molest kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I mean, I think there's lots of bad things about the Taliban, but they're generally, just because of the nature of Afghan society, I do think they're more hands-off um, about, like, tribal concerns, which is good. Um, I think, going off on that, I think the Taliban are probably going to be in control of Afghanistan in five years. And it just, it just seemed like every, every time I uh, look at, like, I have, uh, what, it's called, like, the forward war journal or something like that, um, that keeps track of things. It's, it's sort of like a neocon, like, like, policy policing thing, where they're like, guys, we're not putting enough, enough money in this, like, front of the war on terror or whatever, but it's, it's useful to figure out what's actually going on. And, like, every, like, couple weeks, it's like, there's a new, like, uh, the Taliban red units uh, are using night vision goggles to fight the Afghan <laughs> government. No, but the um, you know the, every every other week is a new province that's getting attacked and overrun and stuff. And every other day, it seems like 
there's a new like huge suicide attack on Kabul where like 80 people die and shit like that. Like it seemed like an untenable situation. I don't and know. Donald Trump has already voiced like a wanting to pull out, which is but he good. goes back and forth on that, right? I think he does. He, he does, but I he's actually I, intensified I, the war, right? From like how Obama had it, I think. Oh, from Obama's end term, yeah, he he did. That was one thing he like early the on. Biggest I was bomb right. ever. That was like, and boomers <laughs> just fucking came in their pants when that happened. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's why yeah. they call them boomers. Yes. They're like the big boom. Yeah, because like they've got erectile dysfunction and like you know the only thing that can arouse them is like the vibrations of like a oh my God. bomb being detonated. The twenty thousand pound bomb. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, I I I just I don't, I don't, I don't know if I like agree with you though that the Taliban will be that seems a kind of extreme statement that the Taliban will be in I know, I'd ha- I'd probably have to back it up like some point I'll like link you. I mean no, like, I, 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 I think I've seen most of that same stuff and I agree. I would say the Taliban you could you could make a good case to argue that they're like quote winning the war. But I think a more likely scenario is that they actually there's some sort of political solution and they negotiate with the government you know, under and the U.S. like says, and Donald Trump says, "Ah, oh, we, I just talked to, uh, you know, <laughs> who's the leader of the Taliban? <laughs> we made a great deal. <laughs> it was great." With Milomar. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that is, uh, that's a good point. I mean, you remember, or this is very recent, but the Colombian like civil war like ended after like fifty years, yeah, like yeah. a month ago. Yep. Yeah, and FARC got, like, guaranteed seats in the Senate and Congress. So maybe that'll happen. But I, I remember Manus made a statement recently that, like, the Taliban can't win at the ballot, so that's why they're using the bullet or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's well, just well, words. The ballot so. box used together, who can doubt it will lead to our liberation? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but I... Yeah, I mean, it, it is possible, like, the Taliban could just, uh, you know, be a political party and whatever, rule over certain provinces. That would be kind of funny, because I feel like Americans have been so, like, indoctrinated, so trained to, like, say, like, oh, Taliban bad, Taliban bad, you know, which, I mean, in fairness, obviously the Taliban are pretty bad, <laughs> but, like... If, yeah, but they, they think they're literally, like, Al-Qaeda. Yeah, and, like, yeah, sure. And, and if... Um, well, Taliban... Funded by Iran, so you know. Okay. Oh, but so if uh, if if that actually happened, if the Taliban ended up being like a political party, I wonder how like how would people react to that? That would be so weird, right? Like, they'd be so. Confused. It, it would be weird, but of of course it, it's not without precedent. Like the Sandinistas in Nicaragua and um, Hezbollah, of course, in Lebanon. I mean, these are both organizations that the United States has designated as terror groups before. I, isn't Hezbollah still a terror group? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Also, in Angola, the MPLA is still a thing. The MPLA. Yeah, but that's kind of weird, though, because in neither of those cases uh, did the U.S. spend, like, a, like a fucking 15-year-long war 
or not even like what is it it's gonna be like 20 years or something god dude that's so depressing dude, jesus christ yeah but so either way, it's gonna be like a 20 year long war like fighting and then it's just gonna be like oh they're a political party now which i mean mission accomplished i guess like i mean well to be fair if if that's what happens then the u.s to be fair we killed a lot of afghans yeah so i mean in the end the real uh the real democracy was the afghans we killed along the way <laughs> no i agree it's definitely different in that yeah i mean yeah thousands of americans have been killed by uh taliban god bless anyway all right well i think uh, well actually let me ask you does anyone have a final point to make real quick because i think we are getting to that time once again no? Okay. Nope. Alright, well, suck my dick. So, yes, I have been Shucky Arlaw. This is the Curse Discussions podcast. Uh, with me again, Adrian and Omar. Thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, you can write us an email at cursediscussions at gmail.com if you want to talk to us. Please talk to us. Uh, and I'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> نحتر إبمار من موت كبار ما بنقبل يحكم سوريا إلا بشار Hey guys, this is Chucky. I know I said we were done, but I fucking lied. So, I've got actually two announcements to make. First of all, um, we are going to be uploading the raw audio files for the podcasts onto a website called Anchor, and I'm going to have the link in the description for that, so you can download them with RSS or whatever other gay shit you're using. I I think that's how it works, I don't really know. Um, The other announcement is that we are changing the schedule from now... uh, every week rather than every other week and it's going to be on a friday which hopefully that's when you're listening to this but um anyway yeah i know so exciting so exciting so uh see you then uh hopefully bye